0: guys! Hello gorgeous! Welcome to the newest segment on my YouTube channel, Cartoon Commentary. For longtime viewers of Armchair Directors, you're familiar with my movie commentaries on that channel, so I wanted to take the same concept and bring it over to my solo channel for some classic cartoons. I find that having a movie, or in this case a TV show, running in the background makes the discussion more dynamic. It sparks ideas, provokes asides and filibusters, brain farts, and just generally keeps things moving along at a steady pace. For this inaugural episode of Cartoon Commentary, I wanted to go back and revisit one of my favourite cartoons as a kid, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero by Sunbow Animation. And who better to join me than the guys who inspired the ultimate USS Flag, which I just recently reviewed on my YouTube channel. GI Joburg is the code name for South Africa's daring, highly trained, special mission force. Its purpose, to entertain. First is Paul. Paul, say hey hi. Hey there, guys. <laughs> hi. <laughs> and Paul, where are you coming to us from?
1: I'm coming to you uh, from Joburg, South Africa, uh, which is a little up north from my two other
0: partners in crime. And it's actually called Joburg.
1: Yeah, it's actually called Joburg. Oh, Joburg is a uh, colloquialism. It's actually called Johannesburg. Ah, uh, gotcha. That's fourth. what I
0: figured, yeah. Oh. But still, that's an interesting coincidence. Uh, great to have you on the podcast. And we also have Robert. Hello there, Robert. Talking to you from Cape Town. Cape Town, South Africa. And we've also got Stephen. A.k.a. the Gaius
2: Beltar of G.I. Joburg. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: the, the handle that I've been given uh,
2: these days. I'm joining you guys from Cape Town, South Africa. And since, uh, Mike, you're from
0: Toronto, it seems like we are international heroes. That's right. Um, Just outside of Toronto, just to just to make that clear, I I would never survive in a big city like Toronto. But uh, I think it is a little interesting that the real American hero um, and all of us here, none of us are American. We got a Canadian and three South Africans. So um, interesting. So poop's going to get real. It's going to get really real. (laughs) Uh, so for the first cartoon commentary, what we're going to be doing is The Cobra Strikes, which is the first ever episode of G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero by Sunbow. So we're going to give everybody listening to this a chance to sync up. And hey, if you don't want to uh, sync up the DVD, if you don't want to watch the episode, if you want to just play this as a podcast in the background on your way to work or on your MP3 player or, or whatnot, that's fine too. You can you don't even have to watch it. But if you want to add something a little fresh to a cartoon episode you may have seen a couple dozen or a hundred uh, times, uh, here's your chance to sync up with us. So pop in your DVD or load up um, the video. It's, I believe it's on Daily Motion. It might be on YouTube as well. Uh, we're, we all have our DVDs um, synced up. The little blue dot is next to the Cobra Strikes on the DVD menu. And I'm gonna give you a countdown from three and uh, three, two, one, go! And on go, we're gonna press play. Everybody ready? Oh yeah! Yeah, we hit it. Oh there. yeah! Here we go! Three, two, one, go! And the sky strikers and the bombs bursting in air. The second
2: best GI Joe vehicle. Second
0: best. <laughs> well, I guess the flag. The flag is a, an environment, though, not necessarily a, a vehicle. I guess it I is. was talking about the flag, Mike. Oh, my goodness. Controversy already. What are we? Mm. <laughs> 20 seconds into it. Okay, well, we don't have time for a full
2: length podcast on the subject, but what's everyone's favorite G.I. Joe vehicle? Oh! <laughs> uh, a Warthog. <laughs> That's
0: a nice one. I got to go with uh, if it's not the flag, then it's the Sky Striker. Can't beat a classic. Yeah, I'd it's say a the pretty jet.
2: I'm going to go with the Tomahawk. The Sky Striker is, it's perfection and it's the best jet ever released, but it is still a jet and how much fun can you have playing jet, jet, jet?
0: And and for for you flying vehicle fans there, um, also featured in my USS Flag review, uh, you may have noticed some of my vehicles are on flight stands and uh, I've had some people ask about those. You can get those on eBay, just search for G.I. Joe flight stand, and he has all sorts of flight stands and all sorts of positions. There's takeoff positions, banking positions. You want to definitely check that out. But uh, getting Perfect back to-
2: Segway, segue though, because yep. this is a money shot right here. Oh my goodness. On the get longest that. runway ever.
0: Even
1: Snake
2: Eyes is like, get down. <laughs> he's he's got that sixth sense. Those are some beautiful production values though, with that runway shots. I mean- Oh,
0: totally. Let's talk about Snake Eyes here for a second. I always thought it was interesting that the toy, famous for being all black, not a drop of paint used on him, but here in the cartoon, the man and mis- uh, the mysterious man, uh, not wearing gloves.
1: Yeah, <laughs> takes a bit uh, of the mystique
0: away with him not wearing gloves,
1: and those purple goggles. It's
3: a very uh, interesting choice.
1: I uh, although I gotta note, I do love the. In, in this opening scene, I do love a lot of the palette selection because uh, they try to be as close to the figures as possible, with the exception of being of Stalker. Because mm-hmm. I really love
0: um, Scarlet's uh, color choices. We're two minutes into the episode, and Cobra is already attacking, blowing up sky Strikers, You got Stalker doing the boogie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get down! Just because you're under attack doesn't mean you can't do it without style.
2: Hmm, flak <laughs> being used appropriately.
0: There's Airborne just in the background. You can you can see a bunch of guys just in the background running. I saw Airborne and Gung Ho. Uh,
1: I love this because then Duke does a, a flip. Unreal. And then I love it. It's just so, um, it's like, it's just very dramatic. And, we need to and talk about a little English. bit of chauvinism uh, thrown in. Yeah, he's a man of action. Meanwhile, Snake Eyes is the guy that dropped <laughs> when the jet came in. So, yeah. I
0: don't know, Duke. <laughs> I think we all understand, though, that um, Scarlett doesn't, she's not really the damsel in distress. She doesn't need uh, anybody to rescue her. And that's the great thing about G.I. Joe. Um, before this whole um, change in TV and movies, this, you know, the real empowerment of women, they were already doing this stuff in the early 80s. With Princess Leia and Star Wars, but also with GI Joe. And even though there were only two female Joes at first, Cover Girl and Scarlet, and then later on Lady J, like they're pretty, pretty tough uh, girls. We also got a formidable
1: uh, villain as well in the form of the Baroness, uh, mm-hmm. which is great to I show a it. strong female character as a bad guy. Uh, Any I- idea I think what those all... jets are? Uh to me they. They look like, I think they're called F2000s. They look a bit like that to me, but I mean, you know. <laughs>
2: it was a trick question because I actually did the research. It's a Corvair <laughs> Delta Dart F106. Oh. Or at least I, that's that's the closest uh, real-world equivalent I could find for it. That, you know, that perfect arrowhead without a tail plane and, uh, and what
0: is the and, deal? They weren't allowed to use actual realistic designs or they chose not to?
2: Uh, it looked like it they 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 used a realistic design lock, stock, and barrel uh, if, if i'm if i'm if i'm correct in oh. assuming that it's a delta dot because
0: oh. the sky striker uh, is the delta
2: dot e- was retired by that stage by 1980 i think uh, who, the, who
1: who used the delta dot sorry steve sorry it guys. was the
2: united states uh, so right, retired okay. army surplus gets uh into the hands of cobra
0: command i guess uh-huh. that's why the sky striker is so easily fought them off but the sky striker it looks a lot like an f-14 but it isn't exactly same with the vamp mm-hmm. it isn't uh a genuine jeep design
2: yeah yeah i suppose i mean gi joe always sort of added an x to yeah. the, the aircraft giving it a kind of an experimental edge it was so a
0: uh, it was a very slight sci-fi edge which i think they went too far with in the movies um but here's destro's introduction what movie yeah the <laughs> and Chris Lada's the, performance as Cobra <laughs> commander here early on in the show, he drops this later on, but in the early episodes, he really emphasizes says the S's, which if you've yeah. read Buzz Dixon's newest, uh, Kindle world's book, the most dangerous man in the world. He brings that back where every, everything that Cobra commander s- says has, uh, about a dozen S's, which is pretty cool. Sibilances. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: the bromance begins, uh, uh, it's kind of cool because Cobra Commander and Destro are friends here, uh, and it's really interesting because they're not at each other's throats yet. And uh, a few, or more often than uh, than not, uh, Destro uh, will put himself before Cobra Commander in the things that he says, uh, which is which is interesting. Uh, and later on, it will turn into my dear Cobra Commander. See, so I
0: mean, the bromance is starting here. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great point. This, even though it's a cartoon. It's an animated show, uh, supposedly for children. Um, the reason it stood the test, test of time, and I still pop it in, pop it in and watch it and enjoy it, is because it's more than just an animated show. It feels like a real show with real character development. And you know, when you watch a new show, the actors don't know their characters yet, and they evolve as the years go by. It's exactly what's happened here. The characters of Cobra Commander and Destro have evolved. Same with all the Joes too. Is this Flag, General Flag? Yes, it is. Interesting. So much different than the comic counterpart.
3: What I find very interesting is from the very start of the, of the G.I. Joe cartoons, they featured Duke as kind of the, the main character, which is curious because, I mean, he wasn't released, at least carded, until 1984, but he was like the exclusive, one of the two exclusive Mailway figures mm-hmm. in 1983.
0: He was already on the shelves by the time the cartoon came out. Um, ah. But, ah, the American perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Canadian. And G.I. Well. Joe, they didn't seem to ever have, <laughs> as far as the toy line went, and then the cartoon followed the toy, or was instructed to, um, they didn't have a problem changing the leader. So in 84, it was Duke. 85, it was Flint. Even though he was officially second in command, a lot of the, the episodes... Uh, Flint was featured as, you know, the the commanding guy, the guy out in the field while Duke was the administrative leader. And then again in 86, they just brought in Hawk out of nowhere and, and went, hey, this guy's your supreme leader now, which kind of sucked for Duke to have to take a backseat to this. That's interesting oh. about Hawk coming in as the new general, even though he had been there in terms of the toy line right from the beginning as one of the original um 83 GI Joes, right? 82 GI Joes. But he had never <laughs> yeah. appeared on the cartoon.
1: Um, a little earlier, we, we got a, oh, a little Easter egg uh, for, for dedicated listeners. Uh, uh, the Baroness in Disguise, sorry, spoiler alert, uh, mentions a Form BX 256. Ah, that's ah, what I 7. Well, two, five, seven. Thank you, Steve. Mm. Uh, so it wouldn't
2: be a GI Joe book podcast if I wasn't correcting you at least once poorly. No, that's true. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, uh, form BX is a great, uh, YouTube reviewer as well. I just want to throw him some props because we often mention him on our podcast and, uh, it's just cool to uh, see this little Easter egg. Yeah,
0: he is. So, he is amazing. He is very thorough and, and, uh, I just, I love all the insight and, and, the reviews that he does, it, like from everything, uh, huge playsets to individual little figures, he's great. Mm-hmm.
2: Baroness is totally telegraphing that uh, her earring is a homing device. Yeah. <laughs> the other oh, time she sort of scratched it. <laughs> it's like,
0: yeah, yeah, we're not going to overlook that detail. It's so interesting to see Snake Eyes here. This is before the Legend of Snake Eyes was created, um, and he's just. Kind of a background masked dude this is before all of uh larry hama's work on the comic the arashikage tattoo the ninja right here he's just a commando um still a, a really magnetic character the guy who just doesn't say anything but knows what's going to happen before it happens
2: i was going to add to your point earlier mike about how characters have evolved and how every joe fan Either freezes their GI Joe world at a certain historical point or allows it to evolve as the media evolves it uh, I mean, to illustrate my point I quite like the purity of where these characters are at when they are introduced I like that snake eyes is a commando I mean he was the first guy to uh, make that infiltration and hit his little sort of uh, wrist computer and that is that is the essence of the character he's He's the lone soldier who gets in there first and paves the way for the rest. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm less enchanted with the ninja backstory or the log cabin in the Sierras or the wolf or the Urashikage. You know, like, I enjoy the purity that we are seeing in this very first miniseries.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite characters for sure. And I prefer him in this, in the original costume in the early episodes, Uh, even though I love the look of the visor and the sword and timber, um... I, I prefer the, the commando version of Snake Eyes more. And he never really did go full ninja in the in the um, cartoon, though, even in the later episodes. Even <laughs> yeah, just is, full, full breakdowns. Well, yeah. <laughs>
3: well, they had to push into the background because his character has no voice. I mean, they could have changed that, but, I mean, he's the silent master, essentially. Yeah. Um. I, I,
1: yeah, I got to agree with Rob there. I also appreciate that in the cartoon, uh, Snake Eyes is kind of a non-thing, a non-entity in a lot of ways. Although I love the character, I just feel that he dominates the comic so heavily that it's Oop, great that the other characters... can fire.
0: Yeah, yes. interesting. Yeah. Even though it's laser bolts being fired, we're getting actual bullets and machine gun fire.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The, the way it's animated, those could be traces. <laughs> no,
0: it, yeah, oh, it, no. it does have... To-
2: yeah. It does have that every third shot look. And and thing. certainly the, the, the pistols that uh, Flag and Duke are firing, I and mean, those look like muzzle flashes. Yeah. They didn't have the gaudy red laser beam effect.
1: Coming out of the Colt-ish looking gun.
2: <laughs> I know,
1: right? I, uh something that this uh episode does particularly well uh that I enjoy is uh how it sets up both G.I. Joe's efficiency as a team and Cobra's efficiency because G.I. Joe uh, earlier infiltrated this uh, military installation and um, did so quite easily. And um, and then when uh, the Baroness in disguise sort of mentions, uh, you know, that's uh, like, it's great, whatever. And then uh, the colonel turns around, yeah, it's adequate. The means of security is adequate, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's The mission is to... Yeah, it, their mission isn't to steal it. It's uh, it was just to get in, kind of thing. But then Cobra also rocks up, so it just lets us know that both Cobra and GI Joe are sort of um, on even footing. Yeah. Uh, or at least at this time in the in the series.
2: Different sides of the I same. I don't know, form. man. You had you had three or four Joes against a Cobra platoon with armor, and they managed to fight them
0: back. But there isn't mm. as much bumbling as there is in later uh, episodes and later seasons here. Yeah, there's uh, there's some definite Duke
1: uh, Harrison Ford uh, pointing and talking going on, which is always fun. Uh, he does that a lot, by the way. Uh, listeners, if you guys watch throughout the show, he often points and talks at the same time. I think that is something that was actually borrowed from Han Solo. The Hauser you
3: know? finger. <laughs>
0: yeah, the Hauser finger. <laughs> That's another thing I really loved about G.I. Joe growing up, that these guys weren't just given code names on the file cards, brilliantly written by Larry Hama, um, these guys were given a uh, full identity. So it's not just Duke. It's Conrad Hauser. Each guy has a very realistic sounding name. It, it's not like they just named him, you know, John Arbuckle, Arbuckle <laughs> or something tougher, like, you know, John Iron. Um I appreciate that some of these names are just out in left field, like Clayton Abernathy. Like they sound so realistic. It brings a realism to a cartoon. Yeah. I appreciate
2: that our blonde-haired, blue-eyed American boy has a very German-sounding
0: name. Conrad Hauser. Exactly. Hauser. Mm, exactly.
2: This? I'm Conrad Hauser.
0: <laughs> it's a terrible <laughs> accent. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's another great thing about G.I. Joe. It wasn't typical and predictable. It, it, it just had a realism to it. And I think Larry Hama, with the file cards, injected a lot of that um, thanks to his military experience. Hmm. I'd like
2: to think that the file name or the idea of file names came from him to ground it all in reality. Mm -hmm. I mean, very famously, like all they did in Hasbro board meetings would show the card art to Larry Hammer and have a specialty like commando or counterintelligence. And he would have to come up with the rest.
0: Mm -hmm. Now this is a kind of a a brave, um decision in terms of the story of the episode uh having duke captured the leader of gi joe you would think in an establishing episode or an establishing miniseries the leader would pretty much be golden you you wouldn't uh get one over on him but here first episode duke is captured and, and it's not the yeah. first
3: time either i mean well, it, no, it'll be it'll, the first of many times it'll, it'll, there he is <laughs> Who's
2: that? (laughs) Oh, no, it's Steeler, never mind. Steeler.
1: (laughs) Also, that (laughs) that establishing, (laughs) uh, I've watched this episode countless times now, and that establishing shot uh, completely confuses me. uh, Because it shows Paris, does that mean G.I. Joe is secretly located in Paris? I mean, now it uh, comes full circle, and we know that Cobra is using their um, device on it. Also. Incidentally, the only episode of G.I. Joe John Chu, G.I. Joe fan, has ever watched.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Gotta destroy movie. that Eiffel
0: Tower. Yep. <laughs> so, uh,
2: <laughs> but, uh, hey, yeah. Look, if he remade this episode of the miniseries in a feature film format, I would have actually enjoyed that. Yeah. I a great deal more than accelerator suits and underwater battles a la Thunderball.
1: Oh, sorry, oh, that was um, Steven Summers, my bad. My apologies. Brother
0: I like John- the second movie. I thought it was an improvement over, this, uh, over the first one. But still, it's about as much as I like the first Transformers movie. It's okay, but the potential could have been off the charts. Um, it just didn't capture the feel, the magic of G.I. Joe. Uh, something that
1: struck, struck me on this scene as well. Uh, sorry, man. Uh, Duke mentions uh, brainwave uh, technology or, or brainwashing technology. It scares me a little because that means he's encountered it before, either because his government uses it or because they've been trained uh, uh, with it. So that means that it's a very, it's, it's something that exists in this universe. I've also always felt that this scene tries to establish that Cobra's legions are actually brainwashed. Um, uh-huh. brainwashed people and the the lady who helps Duke has got a a bit of a Latin accent to her. So I would imagine that Cobra uh, recruits a lot of its uh, soldiers from communist countries. I mean, at least that's what I feel the cartoon tries to
0: sort of shoehorn in there, but I could be completely wrong. That's a good point. It makes you wonder because they have countless legions of troopers and why would all these guys be loyal to an evil organization? They they don't exactly. make any bones about. There's no ambiguity here. Cobra is evil. They want to dominate well, they're, the they're world. They're
2: making bones, man. I yeah. think it's all about material wealth and you know the, their soldiers are probably paid better. I, I can only imagine. Uh, if you read the Viper file card, I know I'm jumping a few years, but you know it goes on about how if you want to climb the ladder in Cobra and reach the glittering prizes at the top, you start out as a Viper. Mm-hmm. So I think. Above all else, what motivates a Cobra operative is greed. They're Pyramid not owing allegiance to any kind of nationality. They've got no um, invested you know, national pride. It's all about just, you know, I don't know, making making bank.
0: <laughs> I mean, perfect example, Major Blood, he's a mercenary. He'll fight for anyone if the price is right thing I like about this first episode is that even though this was originally conceived to be a toy commercial show, they're not really beating you over the head with the vehicles. You know, like in some cartoons, when they get into a vehicle, oh, this special battle feature is going to come in handy right now. You know, like, drop the hook on the dragonfly. They don't do that here.
3: Yeah, it's, it feels very real.
0: They're just, uh, they're, a, they're a means. They're not the... Um, it
3: feels, it's just there.
0: They don't deviate yeah. from the action that's happening in the story to uh, put in a little commercial.
1: Very true. I mean, a lot of that is uh, very um, subliminal because uh, of the characters in the lineup and the opening. Uh, I fi- I've always found G.I. Joe to be very classy with that, at
0: least in the Sunbow run. Oh, yeah. Let's not bring up I- Deke. <laughs> yeah. Not just yet. <laughs> Um, and less is more. It, it it as a kid made me want this stuff more when I wasn't beat over the head with it. Yeah,
1: there was there's an air of mystery. I I remember watching this tune uh, when I was younger, uh, not when it was broadcast originally, but seeing a lot of vehicles I had no familiarity with, and uh, actually trying to find out their names, and then looking in the catalogs to find out what those were called. Um, so. That was great. I mean, I, and then also by extension, the video game, I, I didn't know what the buzzball was until I actually, well, finished the game and it, it said buzzball in, mm-hmm. in the credits, but that was great to find out it was an actual thing. It, it wasn't so in your face.
0: Oh, here comes the, the sport. Duke is uh, <laughs> voice acted by the great Michael Bell, who Star Trek fans will remember appeared in the first episode of Star Trek The Next Generation as the long-haired dude. The long-haired dude. <laughs> one of the alien dudes. I don't remember his name, but as soon as I heard his voice, I knew exactly who it was.
1: You know, Michael Bell is super famous. Uh, he appears in many video games. Uh, the the one that comes to, to mind the quickest is actually Le- Legacy of Cain, Sol Reaver.
3: Hmm.
1: He is the voice oh, of yeah. the... Omnipotent sort of, overseer kind of character that brings Raziel back to life. Yeah,
0: he's a very talented actor and and has played a lot of different characters. But there's just something familiar about his his voice, his cadence. Uh, perfect guy to play Duke. Very um, you know heroic sounding, um, but also um, he's got that military aspect where he can sound like he's barking out quick, concise orders. Yes, like curt. bacteria brain. <laughs> very curt. <laughs> and uh, I love the little, the slight accent. I don't know if it's, what is it, New Hampshire or something, some kind of a accent that he's added there. But, uh, but uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I like that a lot of the Joes had, um, area specific accents. Oh, that's the end of that episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I just, uh, well, my, mine's still running. <laughs> well, the uh, the, we're into a recap for or recap, a, yeah, or a preview for the next episode, or a toy commercial, a trailer. Or for snakes. Some people call <laughs> or, them trailers. I call them commercials.
1: Or as I like to see it, or, or that section as I like to see it as, look at GI Joe beating up the He-Man ish lookalike. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> hey kids, GI <laughs> Joe's
0: better than He-Man. Subtle, kind of note. <laughs> and I always enjoyed well, these. I think Little uh, these little previews because they, they they always said the same thing. If you think you've seen some action, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> and this end end song uh, theme just great, <laughs> very military sounding marching sound. Yeah, very uh, and something that
1: uh, it it sadly loses much later,
0: if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they get a lot more of the uh, you know the big sounding fanfare, um, orchestra sound. I like this kind of dialed back music from the first miniseries. Hmm. This that kind of reminds you that
2: this might deal with violence and violent themes, but everything's okay. The military is still good fun. At the end of the day, let's play out
0: with a marching band. <laughs> well, gents, I feel like we just scratched the surface. That was nice. That was, uh, very brisk. And that's what I really like about watching classic cartoons, 22 minutes long or 23 or 24, but you know, without the commercials, just you sit down. I I like to, uh, a lot of the time do a workout, maybe a little bit of, uh, cycling on the cycling machine or the elliptical. Um, but yeah, they're just, they're quick, easy breezy. 23 minutes is perfect for a number of physical activities. Not, not a big investment or even just sitting and chilling for a little bit, uh, or
2: just nodding off to sleep. Uh, uh, so <laughs> listeners, I hope you've enjoyed
0: your 23 minutes with us. Yeah, this was fun. Uh, what are your uh, your final thoughts on the very first ever episode, the introduction to uh, animated G.I. Joe? Um, let's start with uh, Paul.
1: As a big fan of Sambo, uh, I, I and having acquired this box set long after uh, the show had aired and run, through, run its course, it was uh it was a great introduc- uh, introduction you know sometimes the uh, first episodes of a show can feel very very hokey um this is a mini series that pulls you in uh well this is a an episode that pulls you in quite quickly you you get to see who's good and who's bad uh you get to see a lot of i don't know the the, the hallmarks of the of the series you a lot of the tropes are established and it just it always has me wanting more um so, that, that, that's pretty much my, my takeaway, um, plus it, it always gets me hungry to buy toys. So. On eBay. <laughs> on eBay. <laughs> if I was a kid, it would get me hungry to buy toys on Saturday. Yeah. So. <laughs> Robert, how about you?
3: Yeah. Um, I think it's awesome, but, but what, what kind of scares me more is that even though the, the main like, you know, like technological thing that they're combat, trying to combat here is the mass device. I'm more scared of these brain control things.
0: We didn't mention yeah. the Haven't mass they ever device. Weaponized those? We didn't mention the mass device <laughs> once during the entire commentary. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's awesome. But that's a good point. Yeah, the the, the brain uh, brainwasher.
3: Yeah, they're, they're crazy, but it's like they've never ever used them. Like you could do so much more with that. You could just control the leaders of the world to do whatever you want.
0: I mean it brings but the leader we're... brings the leader of G.I. Joe down to his knees to give you a really impactful image.
3: Yeah, no, definitely. And it leaves you thinking, how are they ever going to come back from this?
0: hmm Good point. Stephen. thoughts on G.I. Joe episode one?
2: For all its brevity, it's able to set up very distinct character relationships, and I really enjoy that. Uh, it has a bit of aerial action, which always gets a, a nod from me uh, because I love the jets of the line. It shows some infiltration. Joe's doing what they do best, or the sneaky Joe's doing what they do best. It's got humor. It's Ron Friedman writing perhaps at its best because we're not tired of the same old, same old gimmickry. Uh, You know, the interplay between Scarlet and Duke is amusing and perfectly played by the voice talent. Cobra Commander, I'm not entirely on side with him just yet, but, you know, he's got such a striking look. That you can't help but not like it. And Destro. I mean, Destro pretty much calling the shots at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just tick, tick, and more tick. What intrigues me the most, however, is the character that we do not have an action figure of at, uh, you know, as of airing in September of 1983, and that's the Baroness. Mm-hmm. She's possibly the linchpin of the piece, and, uh, you yeah, know, unfortunately, it will be a full year before we see her on on pegs but what am i even talking about i wasn't even born by then man mm-hmm. oh, i feel so deprived <laughs> it's like <laughs> i know thing think this tre- treasure trove uh, in my adult life that um i mean i was reared on the
0: 90s gi joe toys and cartoons imagine imagine how much better it could have been i remember going to toys r us and uh and the other toy stores in town in the 80s and seeing these things on the pegs And I remember not being able to find a Duke, but there were tons of Baroness and Scarlet because the boys just didn't want to buy a girl G.I. Joe. Different time.
1: Uh, That became quite a sought after figure for myself because um, uh, when I I realized Baroness and Scarlet had existed uh, in the late 90s in trying to get G.I. Joes, uh, those were two figures I was trying to get my hands on desperately along with Snake Eyes, of course. So it's interesting how times change.
0: Mm. And as far as my thoughts go for this, I like how it just jumps right into it. It doesn't have an introduction to a single character. There, There is no exposition of someone sitting there reading Duke's dossier. They don't care. Uh, much like Larry Hama's comic writing, he just doesn't care if you don't understand who these people are or what they're saying. So I like that it just immediately begins. We're in the situation. There's no exposition there's a, an air attack immediately. And, uh, and for me, one of the best things about the G.I. Joe Sunbow series was the dialogue, too. It's not just all about the action and the cool vehicles fighting each other, but the really glib, uh, quirky, funny uh, dialogue. I missed you, Duke. Yeah, by about this much. <laughs> That's a good line. And,
1: yeah. and uh, once again, bacteria brain. And uh, (laughs) kick the the mustard out of and, yeah, all those kind of, you know, ham-fisted... Kick the mustard
2: out of that hot dog before she smears (laughs) us or before he smears us. Yeah, the the reveal of of the fact that it was Scarlet uh, being a hotshot pilot in in the Sky Striker is terrific. But then it all gets undermined by the fact that who jumps in the front seat of the Sky Striker to fight off major blood the man the attacking Cobra exactly <laughs> the Scarlet man. gets to
0: be his 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 rio i feel like we've just scratched the surface guys thanks so much for joining me with this commentary and uh and i hope i can have you back for for more of these that would Definitely. be wonderful mike thanks for listening everybody all right guys so thanks for listening and Uh, We'll see you again very shortly for G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, Episode 2, Slaves of the Cobra Master, Nerd Mistake.